0: in your bibles at Luke chapter 18. I want to read verse 9. That's where we'll start. We'll get through verse 14 today. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And viewed others with contempt. I want to stop right there for just a moment. Surely we don't have people like that today, do we? People who trust in themselves as being righteous. You may recognize this fellow's picture. uh, Michael Bloomberg, he was the mayor in New York City for three terms, 12 years He is figured to be the 11th richest person in the United States. He's the 15th richest person in the world, according to an article that I just read about him. He's worth about $33 billion, $33 billion. And I want to quote to you what he recently said in this article. And actually, I have that quote for you on the screen. He says, I'm telling you, if there is a God... When I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I am heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. My, oh my, oh my. Is he ever in for a major shock? If he doesn't change his way of thinking and have a change of heart. He, in his own mind, he is a God unto himself. He thinks he's in control. He thinks that he's going to call the shots even beyond this life. But he will find out differently. He will find out that there is a God, capital G, much bigger than what he is. But I'm wondering, are there others who share his kind of thinking? I'm sure there are. In fact, that's how the Pharisees thought. In Jesus' day, they thought that they were good enough on their own that they could just earn their way into God's favor. The text says that they trusted in themselves and they were that they were righteous and they viewed others with contempt. In other words, they're looking down their nose at other people. They are thinking that they are better than other people because they're more righteous than what other people are. That's why Jesus had so many run-ins with them. He didn't like their way of thinking and he was very willing to confront them. He spoke the truth to them. In our text today, he's telling a parable that I am sure got their attention and it got their dander up. It would do us good to pay attention to this parable as well. Let me read to you the parable that Jesus told these folks. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, don't you know that got their attention? The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Two men in this parable, Jesus says. A Pharisee and a publican. And they have gone to the temple to pray. But as I read through this text, it doesn't seem to me that the one is there for the right reason. He's not there to worship God. He's not there to pray to God. He's seemingly praying more to himself as though he is God. What a sad scenario. Now I'm sure he wouldn't have admitted to that, that, that he is God. But that's that's what his prayer was giving evidence to. You look at his prayer, it's, it's nothing but I, 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 I. He was impressed with all that he was doing for God. But I don't think God was impressed. He was, he was trying so hard to get his, his hand around to his back that he could just pat himself on the back for all the good that he was doing. I want you to know that God is not impressed with our goodness. I mean, Let that sink in for just a moment because it goes opposite of what most people in the world think. Most people think that God is impressed with their goodness. I think that's where Michael Bloom, Bloom Bloomfield is coming from. He's he's a, he's a philanthropist. He throws a lot of money towards nonprofit organizations. I looked at those nonprofit organizations that he's giving money to, none of them are making a difference for eternity. But nonetheless, he is giving a lot of money away. At least it would be a lot of money in your, your eyes and my eyes. It, millions of dollars. But when you compare it to $33 billion, what he's worth, I think it's pennies on the dollars that he's giving away. But let's give him some credit. He is giving a lot of money away. And because of his goodness in his own eyes... He's feeling like he's earned his way into heaven. He says, it's not even close. But he's mistaken. The devil has deceived him. No amount of philanthropy, no amount of goodness mustered up from within ourselves can cover up the fact that we are still sinners. Every single one of us Our sinners, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 10 of that same chapter says, There is none righteous, not even one. Verse 12 of that chapter says, All have turned aside, together they have become useless. There is none who does good, there is not even one. You see, God views us quite differently than how we oftentimes view ourselves. God sees the real us. He knows that we are sinners. He is able to see into our heart, and He's able to see that we have a heart problem. Jeremiah said it this way in chapter 17, verse 9 of his writing, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The truth is, your heart and my heart is sick. And it is wicked apart from Jesus. We are not good. No matter how hard we are trying to be good, we are not good. We cannot be good because of our sin nature. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are are like a filthy garment. Now I have to tell you, through the years that I've preached to you, the times that I have used this verse, I have not given you a complete picture of what the prophet was saying there. Because of the mixed crowd in which we are in, I have oftentimes used this picture of a filthy rag from the garage. And and if you've got such a rag, you know how dirty that rag can become. Oil and grease and grime. From the garage. That rag can get awfully dirty. And it is an illustration to us. To understand. This is how God views our righteousness. It's no more than that filthy rag. Out of your garage. But that is. I'm going to be totally honest with you today. I'm going to put away the discretion. And I'm going to tell you exactly. What the prophet was talking about there. He had in mind more than just a rag from your garage. This is what he was talking about. I looked it up in the original language to be sure, because I'd heard others, other preachers talk about this. The word filthy here in this text means an appointed time, especially the monthly courses of a woman, a menstruous cloth. Now ladies, we men do not envy you even a little bit in what you go through on a monthly basis. But I am sure that it it helps you in this day and age to be able to go to the store and buy products that help you be as discreet as you can be during that time of the month. But in the prophet's day, they didn't have those kind of products to help a lady. And so what did a lady do when it was her time of the month? She simply grabbed a cloth and she wrapped it around herself during that time. And this is the cloth that the prophet is talking about here in this text. This cloth shows us exactly how God views our righteousness. All of that goodness that we try to muster up within ourselves, he views it as that cloth which a woman would wrap around herself in her time of the month. We have no goodness that God is going to be impressed with. 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Well, let's be honest this morning. Let's just have confession time. If you have ever in your life said a curse word, raise your hand. If you've ever said a curse word, even once, you look around, I mean, even my wife has her hand up. My... (laughs) we are sinners and we are trying our very best to be good and yet we have a sin problem let's, let's confess again if you have ever told a lie if you have ever twisted the truth even a little bit let me see your hand I saw one whose hand didn't go up, but most everybody's hand was up even on that. We are, we are cursers. We are liars. How many of you have ever lost your temper? <laughs> yeah. How many of you lost your temper on your way to church this morning? <laughs> we are sinners, aren't we? trying as hard as what we can to be good, and yet we have this sin problem, and God knows it all too well. Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? The answer is, no one can say that. That's why we are all in need of a Savior, who is Jesus. God is not impressed with our goodness. Let me tell you, Something else he's not impressed with. He's not impressed with our religion. Or we could say it this way. He's not impressed with our good works. that That's really what religion is, isn't it? It's, it's an effort to do good, to please God. And you hear people saying, well, I'm religious. Well... You know, God really isn't looking for us to be religious. He's looking to have a relationship with us because no amount of religion, no amount of good works are going to be enough to appease God. He still sees our sin problem. The Pharisees were overly impressed with their good works. And that shows up in this parable. As this Pharisee is praying to God, he's patting himself on the back over the fact that he is tithing of his income. And tithing is a good thing. You'll hear me challenge you in that from time to time. It's very scriptural. It's seen in the Old Testament. Jesus commended it in in his life as he was here on the earth. Tithing is a good thing, but this Pharisee was of the mindset that because he was tithing of his income, and he was a very careful tither, that he was earning favor with God. But not only was he tithing of his income, he was also fasting twice a week. And I I don't know if anyone here could raise their hand and say, I fast twice a week. I sure can't raise my hand and tell you that. And, and interestingly, as in, in my study this week, I found out some things about this. It was mandatory for the Jews in the Old Testament law, Moses' law that, that he gave to his people, it was mandatory for them to, ta, to, to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. That was, a, that was a requirement of God. Once a year they were to fast. These Pharisees are far exceeding that. They are fasting twice a week. And as I was studying, I found they fasted on Mondays and on Thursdays. Do you know why? Because that was market day. That was market day, and that was the day that everybody came to the market. And so the Pharisees were making sure that they were over here on the side. They were being seen fasting by men. And they wanted to they wanted everybody to know about it. Had it written all over their face. And oh, I'm so hungry and I'm giving up, I'm sacrificing. And they made it known that they were fasting, and and this was their effort to earn God's favor. It was all about them. But God was not impressed with their good works, nor is he impressed. With our good works today. Good works have their place, but we can never feel like those good works are going to earn our way into God's favor. Our good works need to be for His glory, not for our glory. Our good works need to be honorable unto Him, not to try and bring honor to our own name. If it's not for Him, our religious activity is worth about that much. A zero. Hear me say this again. God is not interested in our religion, which in turn is trying to earn our salvation Rather, He is interested in a relationship with us. He wants intimacy with us. He wants to know us. He wants us to walk with Him daily and and to love Him and trust Him and serve Him with our life. And we do this all to His glory. My preaching needs to be for His glory, not to try and bring glory to me or not to try and earn my standing with god my praying needs not to be so that others can hear and be impressed but rather my praying is to be to him and to praise him and to thank him and to love him and to ask of him great and mighty things and when he answers those prayers he's the one to receive the glory My giving is to be for His glory, not for my glory. And it's to be that way for you too. Everything that we do, it's all to be about Him, not about us. Our service is to be to Him. Our good deeds are to be for Him. Our loving people is to be for Him. Everything that we do is to be to His glory glory. And I'm thinking about all the different things that, that people in our church family do. And there there's a lot that that is done. We had Michael's funeral service this last Friday, and there was a lot of things that Michael did, but it was all to his glory. Whether it was greeting people out there on the front porch, or whether it was serving in upward basketball, or whether it was was uh, working in the kitchen and, and preparing a meal for people. It was all to His glory, not to Michael's glory. And that needs to be true for every single one of us, whether we're fixing, a com, uh, fixing communion, on a weekly basis or whether we're cleaning it up on a weekly basis or whether we're getting uh, ushers to help in the service or or whether we're preparing a, a dish for a a funeral dinner or or whether we're going to visit someone in the nursing home or whether we're going to see someone who's in the hospital or or whether we're giving a gift of money to someone who is in need. It always needs to be to his glory, not to our glory. Those good deeds that we do, they cannot earn our way into God's favor. He is not impressed with our good works. We could never do enough. It's all already been done for us by Jesus on the cross. One other thing that God is not impressed with is our pride. We take pride in so many things, don't we? We take pride in our money. If, if, in fact, we have even a little bit, we can find ourselves being arrogant over that. Certainly, Michael Bloomberg's $33 billion has puffed him up. But it has not impressed God. $33 billion is a drop in the bucket to what God has. God owns all of the cattle on a thousand hills, why would he be impressed with $33 billion? All of the gold in the world is his already. All of the silver, all of the jewels, it's his. He is the one who has made it. He is not impressed with our measly bank account. He is not impressed with those things that we have acquired under our name. So why would we be prideful over that? Sometimes we take pride in our accomplishments and our successes. Do we realize that it is only by His hand and His grace that we have the opportunity to succeed? Scripture says that, that He is the one who brings the rain on the just and on the unjust. Our pride needs to be in Him. Now, someone might say, Kevin, are you, are you saying I can't take pride in, in my kid who's just graduated from college? Or, or can I not take pride in something that I've just built and and it's really nice? No, oh, I'm not saying that at all. Cindy and I were over at Clay and Terry Campbell's last evening and and we were sitting outside behind their house. They have a, a, a really nice area that you can tell they have put a lot of work into that. They have a fountain there and and just a beautiful rock area that, that Clay has done a lot of work there. And uh, he was showing it to me. And, and it for every reason in the world, he has that reason to be prideful of his work. It looks great. It was such a comfortable area. And, and, and I'm thinking... You know, God, when, once he created the world, what did he do? He stepped back and he said, Wow, look at it. This this is good. This is very good. And so, no, I'm not saying that we can't be prideful about an accomplishment that we have done or or a success that we have in our life, but I am talking about the difference between a healthy pride and a destructive pride. There is a big difference between the two. A healthy pride would be that of, of being proud of your kid in their graduation from college or high school or they just landed a job and, and you're proud of them or, or, or you're proud of the work that you have accomplished. Maybe, maybe you're a woodworker and you, you have built a cabinet and you're, you look back and you can be proud of that. But not a destructive kind of pride where all of a sudden you get puffed up and you begin to think that you're better than other people because of your accomplishments or because of what you have built or what you have done. And you look down your nose at other people. That's the kind of pride that God hates. He's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, says James chapter 4, verse 6. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. God, uh, the proverb the proverbs writer says this: Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. First Corinthians ten twelve says: Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. See this Pharisee had a very destructive pride. He's looking down his nose at the at the publican and he's looking down his nose at other people because they aren't quite as righteous as what what he is. And that's the kind of pride that God warns us against, and that's the kind of pride that God hates. And God will judge that kind of pride. I was reading in Mark Moore's book, and he made reference to a rabbi, Simeon Ben-Jacquet. And this, this is a real guy. I, I suppose back in the day, he's written, been written about, he's been quoted as saying this. If there are only two righteous men in the world, I and my son are those two. If there is only one righteous man in the world, then I am he. That's the kind of pride that God is not impressed with. But let me tell you what God is impressed with. And this is where your ears really need to perk up. This is what God is impressed with. He is impressed with a broken, repentant heart. Mark that down. Plant it into your mind. He is impressed with a broken, repentant repentant heart. The tax collector in this parable was so broken that he was standing some distance away, the text says. In other words, he was standing from afar. He didn't even feel worthy to come close. He didn't have his head up. He had his head down. He was like a small child who is ashamed to even look into his father's eyes and he's beating his breast. The scripture says not in a puffed up kind of way. If you watch the basketball players or or the football players, you'll see them oftentimes beating their breast out of pride. That's not what we're talking about here with this publican. He's beating his breast as a mourner would amidst his loss. He's crying out to God, Be merciful to me, the sinner. you note the difference between these two fellows as they are praying? The Pharisee thinks the sun rises and sets on him. The publican, though, is broken. He's crying out for mercy. The Pharisee elevates himself as a righteous man. The publican elevates himself as the sinner. The Pharisee sees himself as a gift to God. The publican is crying out for a gift to be given to him from God, a gift of mercy. And know what Jesus said at the end of the parable. It was the publican who went away justified, not the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. We need more people like the publican who will have a broken, repentant heart. To know that we are undeserving of His grace. We are unworthy outside of Him no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we try to be, that we are sinners in need of His mercy. And the quicker we realize that, then the more we become open, the more we become a person who can receive God's mercy. And the Lord, the good Lord, will not withhold his mercy from the one who cries to him for it. You hear that? God will not withhold his mercy from the one who cries to him for it. Remember what Psalms chapter 51, verse 17 says? Here it is from the New American Standard Version. It says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Here it is from the New International Version. Actually, I think maybe this is the New Living Translation. It says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. If you go to God in genuine repentance, you will receive mercy and forgiveness. And so that's my encouragement to each and every one of you today is to go to God in humility, go to Him today, And every day in humility, get out of yourself, die to yourself, deny yourself, realize that you need His mercy. And I have good news for you. He wants to give His mercy to you. It's just dependent upon how we come to Him. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray together. Thank you for your truth, dear Jesus. So help us to have this broken, repentant spirit that we come to you seeking your mercy. May we realize that you are the one who is good. And we are simply your servants. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, if there's one here today that is not in Christ, that is not in your forgiveness, help them to respond. We pray this in Jesus' name.